Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. But this is not why I'm picking him. The guy's a winner. On his bio, he is the 2017 Wolford Intramural Basketball Champion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he describes, himse- he describes himself as a mix between J.J. Reddick, Kyle Corver, and J.R. Smith. Guy's a three-point yeah. shooter, three-point <laughs> specialist, basketball player, and a winner. Who, who is the Novak from uh, Marquette back in the day? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that guy too. But Andrew Novak. Basketball like player extraordinaire. Hell of a golfer. Maybe today's the day I brigade What the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold G. Well, you hit it on one. Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. This is episode 42 of the Break 80 podcast, joined by Mike and Tim, fresh off the Minnesota Golf Show. And here we are, guys, making another pod. And I don't know about you guys, but lately it seems like I've been talking to you guys more than my own family. So I know. We're running on empty right now. How how fresh (laughs) do you feel over there? There's nothing left in the tank. Just rejuvenated. (laughs) So... We did have a great time. Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a blast. It's really interesting to do, um, you know, a lot of the podcasting dynamics of podcasting together, I thought was a lot of fun. You know, you just get to pick up on certain things that you might not be able to pick up on when you're doing it remotely. And, and you know, having in, in-home in guests and, you know, people right there, it just felt, I don't know, it was a lot of fun. And, and seeing people stop by too was a lot, of, a lot of fun as well. So great experience for us. We're obviously really appreciative to, to score north and the uh, the Minnesota Golf Show for having us out. So and thanks for everyone that stopped by. Honestly, it was it was really cool to meet and uh, and talk with other people and um, you know just you know talking with some of the courses and um, that was a, it was a good time with fellowship and stuff like that. I had a blast just afterwards too, just walking around talking to booths and people and for hours afterwards. It was a good time. So well, we got uh, a, a very heavy. Heavy Florida vibes tonight. You know, get that warm weather feels. We're going to talk a lot of Florida. The, the PGA Tour swing is in Florida. Um, we're also going to talk some live. Mike's got some some live takes. Um, so we'll talk live a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, we'll to share some some Florida trips that we took and, and some of the specific courses that we played. Before we get to that, though, I do want to point this out. The fifth major was, was it this, uh, was it yesterday, this weekend? Today, Monday. Today, yeah. Um, so we had the fifth major today. It is the seminal member guest. Um, and if you could give me one second here, I had it up and then just lost it. Basically, anybody who's anybody was playing on on the PGA tour. They banned live. Jimmy Dunn banned live from coming. Unbelievable. So, but really, only Cam Smith and DJ are the only two left worth a damn anyway. So. Um, yeah, so, so here's some of the, so the winner, and this is gross. I don't know how they, you know, they do a gross and a net winner, like most clubs. Uh, JT and his partner took the, the gross win and he shot a 63. I'm guessing, uh, JT did a lot of the heavy lifting there. Um, how about this sneaky second place finish? Brendan Todd with some of the big hitters wow. could be a sneaky play coming mm-hmm. up. Um, and then tied for third, couple of some big names. Here's the tie for third big names that you would uh, you would expect to be there. Adam Scott and his partner, Rory McIlroy, his dad, Max Homa, Jimmy Dunn, and then uh, John Rahm. So those were your, you know, basically your top five or six gross finishers. And uh, in, and Jerry or Jerry McIlroy and Rory took second in the in the net. 
I have to point out too, if you go to the very bottom, it's always fun to look at who really struggled. I mean, that's <laughs> part of, that's fun, isn't it? Um, couple 77s in the gross department. Davis loved the third. Might want to stick to, to being captain. Um, Davis. Big hitting, long hitter, Brandon Matthews and his partner shot 77 gross. Um, Camillo must not have been reading the putts very well. He also shot 77 with his partner, again, gross. And uh, and Jason Gore, I think he's a big PGA Tour advocate guy. Wasn't he yeah, someone with the PGA Tour? USGA or P- yeah, he's been doing them both, I think, now. So those are some of your tail end, end finishers. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you talk about names of names. Could go on and on if everybody that played in that one. At some point, don't they just need to start televising this like they do for, like, the Dunhill links at, at like, Scotland and stuff? Because everybody talks about it on social media. It's like everybody knows about this. All the players just get the TV cameras out there. Yep, and they have before. They had him out there for the uh, United Health charity yeah, event. So absolutely. they know where to set him up. Also we got for, us for the listeners too. My uh, my newsletter. I haven't decided when it's going to come out, but here soon. Decided to add Seminole to a place to get on, and and found a great entry point to play number seventeen and eighteen at a very <laughs> discounted cost. <laughs> yes, this is going to be like uh, some Navy Seal stuff coming I up. Can't wait. Oh like yeah, a, a with like with like a. One of those like little like rubberized boats, you know, with the little motor. Oh yeah, on there's, it. there's a getaway boat involved if needed. <laughs> are, are you gonna leave them the, on the map? Kim, are you leaving them hanging about what it's gonna be about? Or are you gonna? Well, okay. So the the joke has been that that so many of these places are very exclusive. So many of the top 100 private courses are nearly impossible for the average man to to even hope to get on from high initiation costs to needing referrals to even hinting about wanting to get on and be blackballed forever to where I I figured maybe we could find a creative solution to play a few of the best holes in in golf. Uh, So one of the newsletters coming out and we don't condone criminal activities on this podcast, but (laughs) if we did, it'll be a how to trespass and play some of the best holes in in America. And like Tim and I have talked about before, Tim and I have brainstormed this a lot and on car rides and stuff. We're pretty confident that the, uh, you know, crossing the, the information that crosses between state to state isn't that great. So as long as we make this in different states, we can get away with a slap on the wrist in a lot of places. As long as we're not yep. considered you know, multi-time offenders. The only problem is in most cases, it's going to be considered a, a petty misdemeanor trespassing. I just don't know how or if you would incorporate the cost of playing these rounds as theft as well, <laughs> to where then all of a sudden it, it could be a, a bigger crime. But uh, it's for, hey. again, we're not condoning criminal activity. Could be for our listeners to find out. And, and as they say, Tim, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be fast, the fastest of the two. You just have to make sure you can outrun the other guy. So when well, I try to Tim could maybe down. outrun me, I guess. But, uh... <laughs> Love this. Love how this is going already. <laughs> so, this is, this is my real quest. This is why I'm working out and getting in shape again. There you go. Well, I will say the, the fifth major definitely was not the, the Honda. As we know, the, the field was down, but you know, it did deliver. We did mention on the podcast, we did say in the preview that this, golf course can give some fun ending you know some drama down the stretch it always it always has produced great ending you know in my my personal opinion i don't think it's you know i'm not intrigued thursday through saturday but if you get me watching on the back nine on sunday with some of those fun finishing holes it's definitely some great tv and i think we got that this weekend absolutely Um, I, i will admit I, I even watched the replay. I watched it when it happened from the golf show or post golf show. And then I, I watched it again uh, today around, around lunchtime or right before lunch, just because it was, it was a really good finish with the playoff. It was. And like, it's like, again, we'll get into this with live in a little while. It gave you storylines that they just can't manufacture. Um, you know, you got the whole Chris Kirk with alcoholism and depression and, and not having one for a while. And, I think eight years. Eight years, and he rinsed. He rinsed the three wood on eighteen, that almost bounced off a rock and hit hit the old Honda out in the pond. Um, <laughs> and, then he, and then in the playoff, he put it behind the tree, had to punch out, and then almost hold a wedge. Uh, it was funny because they were talking to Chris Kirk, and 
you know, everybody on TV was thinking like, it gives you a little bit of the mindset of the golfer. Everybody on TV is thinking, well, I'll just play it way left and be safe. But he said he, he knew that uh, Eric Cole was going to get it up there somewhere and he figured he'd make birdie. So he's like, I need to make birdie to win this outright. So that's why he was going somewhat at it and just pushed it a little bit. You got to respect that though. I think a lot of people back down from that thinking and yeah. he went to go win. He went yeah. to go win the golf tournament. Like, how many? How often do you see like, you know, prevent defense in football? You see basketball. Let's take the air out of it. You start yeah. playing to not lose, and oftentimes it comes to bite you in the butt. I just love. I respect a guy that went to go try to win the tournament, and you know he's going to get ripped on because he went in the water and, you know, and, and made that decision. How can you make that decision? You know, easing or just you know, kind of a thing. But you know what? The balls of him to do it and say, I'm going to go win the tournament. I got nothing, but I actually got more respect for the guy now. I, I love that. It's like kicking a field goal versus going for two. Yeah. Go for the W. And especially considering that he skipped the elevated event last week, the big money Riviera event. He was in the field, had not played very well there in the past. So he just said, screw it. I'm just not going to go. And I'm going to go get ready for the Honda. And then he won. It was just crazy. I saw a video of his golf swing too. It's pretty amazing. You know, most guys on tour play play a fade, and he plays this this draw, and he just kind of does this little mini delay. He doesn't. He's not like ripping his hips through it, but he just you know to play a draw, you have to have really good timing, and that's kind of you know Tim can can tell you if you're not if you're a little late, you're going to block a lot. If you are early, you're going to pull a lot, and you have to have the timing down. But because his tempo was so damn good, he has a really hard time. You know not being on tempo and so or not being you know at this uh, his his timing is always really really you know something that doesn't really struggle with so you know he's not trying to rip through it very much he's got a really smooth swing looks like it's a really slow swing but it's effective i like watching him hit wedges because he's kind of steep he's a digger so he takes some massive pancake divots they just come flying out of there which is always kind of fun to watch and his mental space, he just never seems, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that you don't think is very fun to watch. I mean, let's be honest, he's not super personable. He's not emotional, very, you know, even keel, kind of just does his thing, very quiet. Um, but, yeah, I guess his his game spoke uh, louder than his words this weekend. He's been really good this year. He got third like twice at the American Express and somewhere else. He has, he has like two third-place finishes this year, too. So he's had a really good year. And that leads us to the other guy in the playoff, which I think was fascinating. First of all, I didn't know. I thought he was 22 years old. I had I don't think anybody – I think everybody here can put their hand up and say they probably didn't know who the guy was going into the tournament. But Eric Cole is his name. Um, I'm just going to read through a couple of things that I that I kind of found out about him today, and you guys can kind of backfill – certain things that, that you guys maybe found out about him. But he turned pro in 2009. Never would have guessed that, by the way, he looks or dresses or, you know, he looks like he's just like fresh out of college. And um, in 2000, so from 2009 to 2016, he played a ton of uh, mini tours, did the Q, uh, Q school thing. And in 2016, he finally got some sort of corn fairy status, um, which was not, you know, one of, you know, the status that makes him, that is, that enables him to play a lot. I think it was kind of partial status. And then he started to give lessons in 2019. So that's three years of him not doing much with the corn fairy status. He won 14 times on mini tours in he's 2000. Got, he's got 56 total mini tour wins on these little tours. So yeah, he's, he can, play. He can yeah. rip up the mini tours. Um, in 2019, though, then he got regained some corn fairy status. So he kind of got back into playing. In 2020, he got strengthened corn fairy status through um, Monday qualifying. So he must have Monday qualified a few different times. And then finally in 2022, earned his PGA card um, through the corn fairy. And then, you know, leads us to now where he got runner up. Um, actually needed an up and down to win in the in regulation. If he would have got up and down, well, uh, he, he would have won. He would have won. He kind of screwed up, you know. That chippy head wasn't that hard, they said on TV. And he, you could tell he was amped up and he flew it over. I thought the next chip. The one coming back was a gutsy. He he played the belly wedge, you know, because the ball stopped on the collar. Can you imagine trying to play that shot with mm-hmm. all that pressure, having to get up and down? And you're going to belly a wedge. And for those of you who don't know what that is, you got to, you know, use the blade of the wedge and catch it right in the middle of the golf ball, right in the equator of the golf ball. Otherwise, That's exactly otherwise, what I would do. Otherwise, Tim can do you that. either top it or you chunk it. It doesn't go hardly anywhere. He he played a great shot. 
It was crazy. Most reliable putter I have, belly in the wedge. <laughs> he, um, the shoes he wore should have been a dead giveaway to his age, Jeff. Those, <laughs> those, he wore those foot choice they have. They're like the old man walking shoes. That's what I thought. I kept watching, like, what is he wearing on his feet? And then I realized, oh, yeah, they're the old man walking foot joys with the joggers. It was quite a bizarre clothing mix. But he um, he put on a putting display. He was 49 for 49 from inside five feet in the tournament. And what was it, Tim, for the last day inside 15, 16 of 16 until the playoff he lipped out? I, it was, I think it was inside 20 feet. He was 16 for 16 except for that last putt. Yeah, which was a good putt. It, had, it, was, it was like a 90-degree lip out. Uh, so he was like a putting machine. Um, both his parents also, were professional golfers. I was going to say, uh, Bobby, his, uh, his father won a, a few events, and then his mother had status on the LPGA Tour and won a few events as well. So <laughs> real big golf. A- his mom was rookie of the year and the yeah. LPGA tour. Yeah. Really big golf lineage. There's one more guy too. We got to talk about quick Ryan Gerard Monday qualifier corn Ferry rookie got fourth place and won 411 grand. And he got an exemption into Puerto Rico this week. So he gets another crack at it. That's awesome. That's a great story. Well, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was fun. It is what it is. You know, you get, you get these stories and I think that's kind of a transition. You know, you, you go to, now a tournament where, you know, you kind of know everybody, uh, you know who the top dogs are, you know the guys that aren't, you know, great because they've played um, a little or, or tried to play in the PGA Tour, some of them, and didn't weren't very successful. That leads us into Mayakoba with the Live Tournament. And I know Mike uh, has some passion, you know. So, again. On the, on the, on the... Tim, do you want to go first on, on Live? I, now, I just want to Can we be up... honest? Can we be honest on this, Tim? I want to bring up just the quality that the CW puts on. I'm talking about Supernatural, <laughs> about Gossip Girl, uh, about Jane the Virgin. Just just some of the best TV shows that have ever aired. So for Liv to even be up against some of these juggernauts, yeah, no, they they sucked. They, um, I mean, Charles Howell III just walked away with it. Uh, many, many, many strokes ahead. Remember, remember when you were a kid, Jeff? Tim probably is too young. Remember, remember the TV show Ducktales? Oh, hundred percent. Oh, I yeah, I remember Ducktales. Somewhere, I somewhere, I I, I just envisioned this like Saudi prince just sitting in this room of money, like coins ever, looking at the TV, like a point two rating. Billions of dollars have been spent, and we have a rating lower than World's Funniest Animals on the CW. <laughs> Got to be shitting me! Like they have spent billions of dollars on this thing. And they finally get their big TV, whatever, and nobody's watching it. 0.2 rating means 0.2% of households in a, in a certain whatever markets, you know, we're watching it, which is incredibly low. And and it's like, it's not like real, like the PGA Tour gets huge ratings. Like if Tiger plays, you know, like in the Masters, they might get like maybe 3% or something. But that's still many, many times more than 0.2. Um, so, but yeah, I don't. Charles Howell was he 16 under for three rounds. It's pretty good golf. I mean, you know, but I think their issue is um, when you have a 48 man field and you have paid these guys a lot of money, your Dustin Johnson's and your Brooks Kepka's and your Bryson's and Cam Smith's need to be in contention for it to have any kind of rele- relevance whatsoever. And they were not. Um, Cam Smith finished 10 shots back. Just to give you a couple, Sergio was 16 back. Phil and Kepka 17. DJ was 20. Ustazen was 24 shots behind in a three-round tournament, which is ridiculous. Well, he must be farming a lot. Yeah, like well, I think that's part of it. They, you know, they got their money. They don't, they don't, you know, they don't really care. I, I mean, I could go, I could, I, I wrote down like a lot of their scores for a lot of tournaments, and it's just like there are so many rounds from Sergio and and Usti and Kepka and Bryson that are. Wouldn't even sniff a winning score on a PGA Tour, and they're not playing hard golf courses. They're not playing, and I know they're 54 holes, but they're playing pretty easy setups. So I don't know. Well, the yeah, majors the- will tell us a lot. The majors will tell us. Yeah. You know, we'll get some more information from the majors. But that wasn't they, even they the will. biggest. That wasn't even the biggest live news of the whole weekend here. The big news is the the lawyer. Some lawyer, you know, because there's this whole lawsuit going on, released stuff from the live contract that the today, like literally like today that's in the live players contract, which like contradicts everything they've been saying. 
Uh, one thing says players must agree to not enter any conflicting anything. So, so, you know, they were talking about how we're independent contractors. We should be able to go wherever we want and do this. Their contract says you can't other than majors. You're playing whatever we tell you to play, basically. Um, it also says they must play every single live event and live retains sole discretion in number, location, and date. So if live wants to add another 10 tournaments, you got to go play them all. There's no, so you're, they've already added six this year. You know, these guys were talking about how, oh, we have so much more time off and all this and that. Well, it's slowly they're adding more events. Um, then they, there's also a deal with sponsorships. At Liv's request, players must introduce Liv representatives to the players existing or prior sponsors to f- facilitate discussions with Liv. So if you're, uh, you know, like Dustin Johnson used to be Adidas and Liv says, hey, we want to talk to the Adidas representatives. He's got to set up a meeting with Adidas. It's, it's that one of those deals. And then probably the biggest one that Phil Mickelson ranted about forever was that, you know, remember Phil said, well, we should be, we should have control over our media likeness and the PGA Tour just uses us and this and that. The contract says players grant Liv an exclusive, perpetual, royalty-free, worldwide Worldwide irrevocable license to exhibit, exploit, and otherwise use player identification with any promo activities, apparel, and content created by Liv. So basically, they don't have control over their own anything. What Phil was bitching about for the PGA Tour, the whole deal. That is some harsh language, too. That is insane language. It's like, do what we say, or we're going to send you to Saudi Arabia, and you can deal with the consequences. But, I mean, that's just, like, I think the players... It goes back to, and this is like my last thing, they would have been better off right at the beginning saying, like, kind of like they did on full swing. You know what? The money was too good to pass up. We took the money. That would have made it so much easier than all this run around with, you know, all these other things that are now coming back to bite them in the ass a little bit. Yeah, Tim, anything? I see Mike's got Judge Judy on his screen. So I was wondering if you want to kind of come back. We're kind of in a, in a, in a court right now. Do you have anything to, to say? <laughs> No, they're fucked. That is some <laughs> tough language. Uh, I don't know who their legal teams were. I don't know who their agents were. Goodness, I would have at least redlined a couple of the things in there before signing it. Well, there's more though. I just there was a bunch of them. You can see them on and the internet. And it gets worse. Oh goodness. I just I just wrote down a couple of the interesting ones. Well, I will say this. I did message my tournament director when we go up north to Brainerd to play in our like twenty-four person um tournament that i would like to see some live possibly some live team framework happen um you know you've got the individual tournament which is fun but it's also kind of be cool to to have three other guys on your squad and you you know you know that you know like bryson says you know it's like hey i knew i was not playing well but i had to play well for my teammates that's what he said in this interview so i thought that'd be kind of an interesting thing like you've got you know kind of do like a handicap where you got some of the top handicapped guys, and then you kind of yeah. go four tiers, right? So you kind of match them up, and you kind of do that. You've got the individual tournament, so everybody's you know obviously trying to win that. But you throw a little team aspect. You get to do some team names, and you get to do some, you know, maybe pop some champagne if you guys win it at the end. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> well, I think that's that's one of the live things I think is kind of cool. I just think they've missed the boat on how they do it. Like, if you want to get non-golf fans to cheer for you because like instead of these stupid fucking team names why not just do like i know they don't have enough golfers like more of like like call the one team that's got the spaniards and some latin you know some latin flair to it do it by like country kind of like the olympics or something where people that live in that country might actually care or pay attention like they're not going to say oh god look at the crushers go or uh the range goats that's my you know that's my i love the range goats (laughs) like if they're they got a I don't know. Whoever's doing the marketing for the whole thing is just a, an abomination. It's just so bad. It's so manufactured. I don't know. Could you kind of yes. see it coming though? All these guys were starting to leave. All these higher ups were starting to kind of get out of there. I I don't know. Yeah, they've lost a bunch of people in the whole. I don't know. I, I, to me, Greg Norman's got to go. He's got to be. He's got to be the guy that's got to go. Yeah, even some of the camera work and the shot tracers were were a bit comical to watch. And they the have the, they have the bots. They have the bots on Twitter. I posted something on my Instagram today off one of their Twitter bot sites that said had a picture of Pat Perez and it said Pat Perez top ten golfer in the world. On what planet does anybody think Pat Perez is a top ten golfer? What did a, you check what? the followers on that one? I don't. That, know, it's a bot. That, that couldn't be real. 
it's a bot. We're like a, they have all these bots that they're on there constantly. All right. Well, we're Florida swing. We're going to talk Florida golf course, Florida travel. You know, Tim's going to do a lot of the heavy lifting here. Uh, as he, he's kind of our travel guy. And uh, we were, got an opportunity. I know Tim and I were down there in, in December around Christmas time and got a chance to play some of these, um, you know, cool places in, in Florida. At least, you know, Tim got to play a little bit more than I did, but I thought it was worth talking about because, you know, a lot of people find their find themselves in the Orlando area at some point, you know, probably in the next five years, I'm guessing, you know, people listening to this are going to be in that spot. It's, it's a very heavily populated area, whether it be for work, whether it be for, you know, getting away with the, with the family for a spring break or for, for Christmas. So we thought we'd do a little segment here talking about some of the courses. And I want to start with, uh, with stream song. Um, Tim, if you want to give us a little background on the, on the place and, um, We'll kind of talk each. There's three courses there that are all top hundred, so I'll give Absolutely. it away. Absolutely, you can't talk about Stream Song before talking about mosaic and some of the strip mining, some of the phosphate mining that occurs in the dead center of the state. And to call this place remote is an understatement. I think it was about an hour and a half straight east from Tampa, St. Pete's. It was probably about an hour and fifteen for you straight down from Orlando. Kissing. Yeah, something that like right? that. Yeah, but. The closest large structure on my drive-in was the uh, either it was a jail or it was a prison. Judging by the barbed wire, I'm going to go with the latter. <laughs> and that was the closest population center to Stroomsong, to give you an idea of how remote it is. But uh, in talking to some of the, the caddies, a couple of the other folks out there, they mined that particular area with specific intent to build the golf course. So they had architects in that site early pre-mining to start stacking some of the, the former debris in certain areas to build the dunage to create red, black, and blue. Well, I believe Specific- they, they had to do it, right? It was for the mm-hmm. like, tax write-off purposes. They got some breaks and stuff for cleaning up the site, didn't they? Correct, yeah. In Florida, if, if you do mining, if you do land utilization, you have to return it to something that's usable. So they could have refilled it in, left it a blank slate, and moved on. But they stacked mounds of dirt in very specific ways while they were mining with the intent of Corin Crenshaw coming in and doing the red. So there's three courses, red done by Corin Crenshaw, blue done by Tom Doak, and black done by Gil Hans. Uh, they're also going to be doing a shorter course here soon done by Corin Crenshaw and with a large purchase happening. So Mosaic formerly owned the property, managed the property. And the criticism was that this phosphate mining group didn't necessarily do the best job of hospitality. Some of their, their services were lacking. The golf courses are fantastic. They're in wonderful shape. But as soon as you get to the bar or the restaurant, the hotel, you might not quite have the attention to detail that you come to expect when you're spending six, $700 a night. That should change with Kemper Sports. Uh, this is one of the few actual purchases that they've done. Most of the times they're a management group, a lot like Troon. Uh, but for $160 million, they purchased the the surrounding land, the three courses, the growth course with Crenshaw coming in and um, land to, to put in buddies' cabins. So a little bit larger living arrangements compared to just having a hotel room. Why does that feel like a good deal? Is that a good deal? Uh, so this is saying... I mean, that three top Troon, 100s, I mean... Yep, yep. Uh, this is saying that Troon offered 130. So blinds, blind bidding, I'm assuming. Mm. Um a little bit above the other mark, but I would assume Kemper does a wonderful job with some of its its other groups. They actually do the management of Bandon and some of the management of Cabot. Uh, they also do the management of the Jewel for those of you that are, are here in Minnesota yeah, with us. Yes, so they, they do a wonderful job. Well, I think, um, again, I'm not going to talk much because I wasn't in this segment, but or I wasn't down there with you, but I think well, you can maybe test this, Tim. I don't know about the service and everything there when you were there, but it's been, I think uh, the golf world has basically said it's going to be a good thing that Kemper bought it. They're going to get it fixed up a little better and things are going to operate a lot better at Streamsong. Well, when I was there, it was right after Christmas before New Year's. So it was a bit quiet. It's pretty hard to have bad service when you're at half capacity. Yeah. There's just, there was too many employees for too little guests to where I went down to 
the bar to a restaurant. I was one of 10 people in an area designated for over 100. So the ladies weren't coming back to your room is what you're saying. Well, it's a golf trip anyway. How many (laughs) ladies are, you know, if the prison on the way in wasn't a selling point, I don't know what was going to be. Hey, we'll save save that story for another time, Tim. Prison and Tim dating people. Um, What about Red, Tim? Let's start with Red. (laughs) Red was, I think Red was the most interesting course of the three. It really offered very high dunage. It had the most dramatic uh differences in landscape it, it incorporated the most amount of water the greens were the wildest so it, it really had this feel of a mixture of sand valley with what you'd expect out of an irish golf course so it was it was a wonderful play um, it'd be the one that i would actually recommend second or third in the trip just because it's it's almost going to take away from your first experiences on the golf course or on property to where you don't want to do the most dramatic thing right off the gates. Uh, you'll continue, you'll be impressed if you wait to do red, uh, where it is if we waited to do black at the end, Jeff, and, and I felt mm-hmm. like both you and I, had we walked up to that first, we would have been very impressed. Uh, unfortunately, because we played it last and, and we were both a little bit tired by then after playing so much golf that uh, I think some of its, its beauty was lost. Yeah, we started to focus on the walk and how much to hurt in our feet and instead of actually taking in the golf course. Uh, well then, and then, and then we did blue second and, you know, that was the doke one. And I guess, you know, you and I played that together and it was, I, and you can kind of comment on this too, but I thought I really liked the front nine of blue. And then, and the reason why I say that is because I got a little bit of red with it. You get some of the, the uh, backdrops and stuff of the, of the, um, you know, hills or the mines, whatever, you didn't really on the backside see any of that. So it was basically kind of flat. And, um, you know, there's obviously bunkering is, is a big part of the entire course. But that front nine blue, I still think back to how how fun that was. And I think it starts to flatten even more. It's, it's red is this very undulated piece of property. Blue incorporates some of it. It begins to flatten. And then as you go to black, we had a couple large bunker faces some some big elevation changes up to certain greens and the punch bowl, which was particularly unique because I've never seen an actual punch bowl that actually has a raised edge to it all the way around. Uh, but it definitely flattened out. So from red to blue to black, the landscape becomes a little bit less severe. Um, although all three courses I thought were were fantastically fun. Yeah, I don't think, you know, it's a, it's kind of a resort course. So I think like you can hit a lot of fairways, you know, you can, you can feel like you're not, I, I, Tim, you can attest. I, I, I used, I borrowed, I forgot my, here's how I started. I forgot my golf ball walking to the first tee. So I didn't even have a ball. Tim, luckily, you know, he's ready to rip out another one out of his pocket after his first tee had a ball for me. So I used Tim's ball. I forgot to give it to him. I used it the entire 18 holes, never lost a ball. So it's not like. You're not going out there, you know, like Bay Hill, where you're you better pack some some backups because it's it's very nice off the tee. You know, you got some problems, but it's not anything that I thought was overly. You know, you don't have to freak out sitting on tee boxes or anything. Yep. And for those folks that do get a chance to go, wherever you might end up for your first round, most times you come in. It's usually a little bit later. Pick up, go over to the Black Course, which is in a little bit different area, uh, and go do a dinner there and hit the putting green. Make sure to bring bug spray because as soon as dusk hits, the mosquitoes come out. It was it was like a wall. So when that happens, make sure that you have tons of bug spray. But it's a wonderful first evening to get a couple buddies out there, get dinner, and then go to their 18-hole putting green that sits right off the back and watch the sunset. They had a crazy like practice facility too. Like Oh my god, yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, four, four or five different green complexes you can hit to measuring about 175, 200 yards out, and there's four of them in in parallel next to each other, along with a full range. It was massive. It's one of the biggest practice facilities I've ever seen. And like you said, if you show up early, like if you show up at like six PM and you can't quite get nine or whatever, you, it would be like you and your buddies could go out with a drink and chip a bunch, do probably some short game gambling and stuff like that. So I don't know. 
yep, really good buddies trip, especially once they, they build these cabins that are going to allow people to, you know, have six, have eight people together in one living accommodation. So that was the biggest one. I think that one is kind of one of your, you know, bucket list trips. That's, you know, probably only going to do it once, you know, unless you've got, unless you really liked it or, or you've got lots of money. But, um, I, you know, at some point get there. It's, it's not kind of Florida golf as you would think Florida golf is. It's a lot different and three really cool designers um, designed it. So I want to talk about this one really quick. I know that we've, we don't want to talk forever on, on these golf courses, but I do want to bring up Tim and I played this place called Mission Inn. There was two courses, El Campion and what was the other one called? Oh, goodness. I can't oh, remember what the other one was called. We only played one. It was 36-hole facility. But, uh, again, kind of had to do a little bit of a drive away from out of outside of Orlando, but I really liked it. It had, like, I know we're in Florida, but it had Riviera vibes. Las Colinas. Las Colinas. Okay, so, like, the buildings kind of like were the, like, was, like, the buildings that you see at Riviera. The trees kind of look like Riviera. The, the fairways and the greens kind of had that feel to it when I when I was playing it, and I thought it was really fun. And Florida's not known for eleva- elevation changes, and it had some cool elevated shots that you won't really get a chance to hit in Florida. So I would agree, and, and off of Streamsong, off of El Campeón, two of the more undulating courses I've seen in the entirety of the state. That is for certain. 100%. And it's got a, it's got a cool finishing, finishing um, ending couple holes called – I think devil's delight. It does not let you, you know, get in the clubhouse with a lot of there confidence. Was, there was nothing delightful about those two holes. Absolutely not. So <laughs> there's zero delight happened. <laughs> um, the last one that I'm going to talk about, and I'll let Tim go a little, and, and Tim can obviously talk about this too, is what does the Winter Park Nine? And it was first of all, I really liked the area. I thought it was a really cool part of town. I, I don't quite, you know, I'm not familiar with the area, so I don't know all the details of it and the history of, of winter park, the, the town, but the area was awesome. Like you could take your wife, girlfriend, dad, brother, play nine holes. And then there's a lot that you could go do. You could go shopping. You could get some cool dinners. You could um, walk and, you know, get some ice cream or something like that because there was all this strip of stuff that you could do when you were done, let alone the golf course itself, which is, also awesome if you want to talk about the golf course tim it was just fun it was it was short in in overall yardage i i don't think that we necessarily even needed to hit driver for any of the holes but so many of the holes had either a dog leg that you had to cut a couple of the par fives were narrow off of the tee so again you don't have to hit a driver to have fun but if you do choose to pull out a little bit longer club and go over the top of of a tree line um, challenge a bunker. It's a ton of fun. And the real kind of teeth of the course are found in the green complexes, huge bunkering greens with five, six different, um, ledges on them to pin. It was just fun. And, uh, the only place where you can hit out of a cemetery. Yeah. Tim is out of of a cemetery. (laughs) That was awesome. Um, (laughs) I want you to know, I know another nine hole course where you could uh, hit out of two cemeteries. It just happens to be uh, Twin Pines in my hometown of Bagley, Minnesota. Oh, shout out to Bagley. Uh, hole one, Hole one and hole two have a cemetery. Hole two is a drivable par four, the big dog leg where you can hit it over the cemetery onto the green. Both cemeteries <laughs> happen to be out of bounds, so if you hit it all there, you'd be technically cheating. But uh, there are two cemeteries in the first two holes. Well, I'm there to mourn my score then. Yeah, I don't think there's rules in Bagley, so. No, a lot of jeans on the golf course in Bagley. Exactly. The last thing I want to mention is I think I bought, I had two cocktails. I had a bottle of water and I bought like peanuts or something like that. And the guy says that's 10 bucks. I was like, what, really? That's, you know, I, you know, these days you're thinking who knows what that could cost. Um, and the fact that he asked for $10 and then he didn't even like, you know, there was no tip involved. I gave my card. He gives me my card back. There was nothing to sign. I was just like, wow, that was just $10. That was it. So that's another kind of cool thing that I think um, is is awesome about that vibe. You know, it's like it's cheap. It's, you know, you can just a cool hangout. It's a, It'd be a cool date. You know, it'd be a cool, you know, anything just with buddies, you know. So anyways, got to get there if you got the time. 
uh, to make it down. If you're not by it, I still think it's worth a cool drive to, 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 uh, to check it out. So and also shout, shout out to, go ahead, Tim. I was going to say one other thing about winter park nine, we got back, Javi and I got back from getting dinner and there were folks playing with glow in the dark golf balls. So you can oh, go right. out late night. Uh, you can buy some glow in the dark golf balls. The feel on those things is awful. It's probably, it's probably like the PXG ball is, you know, okay. it's, it's just, it feels like a rock, but they're fun to play. And uh, my advice is buy a super high lumen flashlight because if you think it's easy to hit a glow in the dark ball in the dark, it is not, it is so hard to do. Uh, but something to definitely have an experience with. Hey, fun to the game, bring fun to the game. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Uh, well, Mike and Tim. Also, yeah, I was going to say, okay, go ahead. Two other mentions of golf courses, both of which are seeing a little bit of, of redos. One, a massive redo. Uh, first off is the former world woods, which is now going to be Cabot citrus farms. It's undescriptly coming in 2023, and I don't know if that means it's about to open in spring or if it's going to be more towards fall. But a couple redesigns of former Fazio courses that look absolutely amazing. And that's going to be about 45 minutes north northeast of Tampa. Uh, but will certainly certainly be a huge draw in the public golf scene in the area. Uh, a good way to combine a trip with Streamsong. No pricing out on that that I've seen yet. So it it could end up being a lot more than the $110 green Probably. fee it was. Probably. Um, but, but, an, but an excellent option. But if Cabot's doing it, it'll be it'll be nice. It'll be done yeah. well. All their stuff's it, nice. It looks excellent. The other one uh, located just outside of Orlando, a little bit southwest, is Orange County National. And Crooked Cat is going to be the location for a live event. So a, a couple other courses to put in your rotation. Uh, they're famous for a, a a range that's in a giant circle. Yeah, can you well, wait, can you wait for the live commercials when the golf course is called Crooked Cat with their freaking marketing team? It's gonna. Be I so can't bad. wait. I am it's so excited. So bad. <laughs> that combined with the CW is going to be that is that's on brand. It's gonna be horrific. Well, that brings us to the Arnold Palmer Invitational, aka the Matt Every Invitational at Bay Hill. By the way, he didn't get into the field. He's playing in Puerto Rico. Yeah, Matt Every somehow randomly won back-to-back times in this. I can't believe it. Um, and it's played at Bay Hill, and Tim has played Bay Hill. If you listen to our John Ellis interview, you know he's talking about playing Bay Hill this week. Difficult golf course. Tim had some inside scoop for him. I, I know he's been there before, but Tim has played that as well. So, if Tim, you want to mention anything about our professional or PGA tour golf course that, uh, First that off, Bay Hill, not designed by Arnold Palmer. Everyone thinks it's Arnie's course because it's, it was Arnie's home. Uh, his, his family still retains a home just off of the course, but on property, but it was actually a Dick Wilson design. And if, if that name sounds familiar to everyone, it's because Dick Wilson also did blue monster. So the Doral course, uh, also did PGA National Golf Club, the East Course, and Cog Hill, number four, Dubstred. So right. a couple really good courses, but very famous for raised greens and pretty severe, nearly surrounded green bunkering, which is really what Bay Hill is known for. That and all the water. Uh, as mentioned on our John Ellis interview, Bay Hill tends to have water located on only one side. So the danger is clear and present. Um, I really thought that would get a laugh. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Tim. <laughs> well, I, I hate to break this to you. But I'm a huge Patriot Games fan. The first, the first of the two. You know, Harrison's great, but the movie took a dive on the second one. Patriot Games kicks ass. Uh but just looking at a lot of the holes, it's it's water always on one side. So there's there's a clear area to bail out to. It's just about how long the rough is. And for some reason, it, it, this is the only Florida course I've ever had this happen to, but the, the fairway and the fringe run-up areas on every single one of the holes just grab the golf ball. So if you come up short at all, the ball sits and stays. It doesn't move on to the green. It doesn't necessarily leave you a difficult chip, but rolling it into the putting surface isn't really an option at Bay Hill. So these guys will try to fly it into these very, very tough tucked pin positions. 
um, on very firm and fast green. So we're going to see the golf ball skid, move, and likely leave the putting surface for a lot of players. Uh, the overall uh, golf course resort itself actually has 27 holes. Uh, there's another smaller nine-hole course that you can do as well. There's only 70 lodging rooms there, so it's a pretty small golf resort. Uh, and the rooms are, to be honest, a little bit outdated. They feel like you, you went back into the 90s with some of the choices that they had on like the upholstery and the carpeting, the drapes, even to like the woodworking around the TVs. It's, it feels very vintage. It smells very vintage because they pump this Arnold Palmer type smell through the whole place too. Okay. Actually kind of enjoyed that. Was it cigarettes? The candles were like 60 bucks though. So a little bit out of my candle price range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no. I, It just smelled like, like older cologne. Um, and then an embarrassing, embarrassing story. I uh, ended up after the round hanging out with a couple of the members, great guys, had a couple of drinks, won a game of gin rummy, put the, the winnings back into our total bar tab, got a membership pin. So shout out to Spanky. That's that's the gentleman's nickname there. Uh, proceeded to go to the restaurant, have a nice flight of wine and forget that I loaded my golf bag into my car. The next morning came out, <laughs> tried to find my golf bag, called Jeff. Panic called Man. me. Man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play today. I can't find my clubs. They might have got stolen. We're checking the cameras. Like, do you know this person? I'm like, oh, no, that's me. A lot of- oh, I'm loading <laughs> them into the car. Oh, why did I put them in the backseat? A, a lot of thieves in Florida are looking for cut-down Cobra drivers to sell on, yeah. on the black market. Well, Second Swing is now the proud owner of those Cobra drivers. So, But that is well- Bay Hill. Uh, it can get expensive if you do what I did, but uh, most times it should only cost you about $500 to stay and play. Um, and it can get brutally hard in this tournament like it has the last couple of years when the winning score has been like five under. Tim, I think the people went on. Did you, did you do the Bryson? I think it's like hole six or something like that. Did you try to, uh, off, try to take that par five and do a par three? I, I took a photo of the carry. Um, I was up a tee, which on that particular hole isn't that much further up from where the pros are i did cut part of the corner but maybe 30 yards over the water from grass so no i what did you shoot? i don't think i quite have that ball speed yet what did you shoot at at bay hill i want to say it was like an 85 or 86 it was it was not good the last four holes are considered some of the best on the the course um, you've got a dog leg right, then you've got your par five uh, dog leg right, your par three, famous for, I believe, Gary Woodland got plugged there and, and kind of shot himself in the foot. And then famous 18. Uh, on those four holes, I did go one under par, but the rest of the holes was just, they were an absolute disaster. Hey, you love hard golf. You like the golf, you like the hard golf courses. You just were waiting for the tough part of it. Yeah, I just, I, I was telling my caddy, just, Give me the hard ones and I'll shoot better. <laughs> so, well, loaded field, designated event. You know, you know, it's, in terms of watching it, I don't love the golf courses because there's kind of like what John else was saying, tons of water. Every saw a dog leg this with water, a dog leg that with water. You know, it's hard. You know, there, there's a bunch that look like each other. Um, but I do like your 16, 17, and 18 because 16, you can get an eagle. You can kind of get back into it. 17, you got a really hard par three that somebody could bogey. You know, you need you need somebody to clear in the lead to maybe have a like Gary Woodland, right? Yep. And then 18 is is no um, you know, easy, easy piece of cake either. And and that's kind of had a lot of drama with Tiger making some putts and some other people. I think Bryson, you know, was kind of had a uh needed a two putt there to to win. I don't know. It's it just seems like it's had some good finishes. At what point do they change the name to the Tiger Woods Invitational? He won that thing eight times. I thought Crazy. he might play in it. Why he should yeah. have played it? He, he should have played in it. It's an easy walk. Times. Yeah, yeah. I was a, hoping I, we'd see him. I you know, hope. you can you can buy your own sweater logo in. You can you can get the winner sweater. It's available in the clubhouse for the low cost of eight hundred dollars. Oh wow! <laughs> I uh. Like John said on our, on our uh, interview at the golf show, I do hope that the greens are a little softer. Like I'm usually the opposite. I usually want firm, 
fast, hard greens. But you watch this tournament the last couple of years, the wind has been up a little bit and everything's dried out. And they can't even hold the green. So it's like a chipping contest. They hit the green, it bounces off. They hit the green, it bounces off. And you're just watching guys do little, you know, for them, pretty basic chips. So they get up and down a lot, but they don't make a lot of birdies. They're just making pars. Uh, and the, the wind is supposed to be up 22 miles an hour or something on Ooh. Friday. Yeah, That's I, looked at that, I looked at that today. The wind gusts in the twenties on Friday, so it's going to get windy there. That's I a will lot say though, I will say if it's windy and it's a little firmer, doesn't that typically lead to some of the better players skipping usually, ahead and getting a better leaderboard? Better one last year, yeah, usually because I mean, you got to have a well-rounded game to to be able to win. If that was if that's the case, yeah. Well, so. I think. The issue they run into then, and Tim can maybe attest to this, is normally they would play short and run it up, but I don't think you can on this golf course, really. You can't just, like, bounce things up there. So they land it on the front of the green or the middle of the green and just bounces off the back. Yeah. Well, should we do the picks and call it a night? Yep, here we I'm go. Getting, I'm, we got... I'm, I'm well known for reading the room, and I just feel like, you know, we're kind of running out of gas. It's been a long week for us, and I think we just got to get this baby home with some some good picks. We've struggled lately. It's not been our thing, so we want to get back on the on the track here and see if we can get some winners. We have struggled. Jeff's uh, Jeff's just kicking ass right now. I haven't won forever. Some way I was close, and then Justin Rose won, and Tim is just way back there. You guys so, have been winning. Uh, I have not, nobody's been winning really, but uh, we're gonna get back on it this week. I have. I'm gonna go last. I have a great insight on Puerto Rico. So we're doing. Um, 500 bucks again, you have to have a winner in Puerto Rico and whatever you want for the rest, you know, because you'll have a winner for Bay Hill. There's no DP World Tour. They're getting ready for a show Showtime premier event next week, the Kenya Open. So they're all yeah. they're resting they're resting this week. Uh so who wants to go? How about Tim? What do you got? Sure. Well, it's the Arnold Palmer invitational. So back to back winners are likely. Um so I'm gonna follow suit with someone that's been playing really well. He's played well here last year. Um, a, a previous winner in, in Scotty Scheffler. Um, putting $200 on him to win. And then someone else that's shown decent form this year. I, I think he's kind of due for another big showing. Uh, and that's Sam Ryder to top 10. Putting $150 on him. Yeah, a good ball striker. Yeah, he's been playing and well. Then, and then we do in Puerto Rico as well. Yep, Puerto Rico. All right, winner. Well, when I thought of Sam Ryder, I thought of the 3M. When I think of Puerto Rico, I think of Sand. When I put both of those together, I think of Scott Piercy. <laughs> <laughs> so he has yet. Have you have you looked at at how he's played? He has yet to recover from that uh, that tournament. He has really struggled. Hopefully he's he's got to get something back and going. Uh, I think he T fifty. He at least made the cut at Riv. So <laughs> he's had, yeah, he's had a tough run on the pod lately from people ripping on him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the jokes keep coming. Please, <laughs> Scott, make sure that they don't continue to come by winning this tournament. I'm putting 150 dollars on you on the the Puerto Rico Open. All right, Jeff, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to do a top 10, $200 on Keith Mitchell. Uh, he's self-proclaimed yes, my guy. Bermuda surface lover. And if the stats back it up, they do. He loves to putt when he gets to the floor. He loves the sweater. Casimir yes, Keith. he does. Um, he's made the cut every time he's played. Very hard golf course. I think you've got to be a great driver of the ball because you got to keep your ball out of the water, which he is. And uh, I think that's kind of the... My my focus this week is is good drivers of the golf ball. I think uh, we just want to make stay away from making the big mistake, and I think he he has the ability to do that. And he's shown recent form of well, you know, he top five the Genesis. I mean, I don't see, and he doesn't. He's self proclaimed hates Poa. So I mean, like if he's top five in a place he doesn't hate, I think he's in a lock to get top ten out here in a place that he's played pretty well. So and here's a sneaky one that helps him. And by the way, I love Keith Mitchell. Casimir Keith, he's wearing the tour visor. He's rocking the foot drive from yours. He's always looking swaggy. Uh, you don't have to putt great at this tournament. And he's has had at Riviera, he you know, he was right there and he couldn't make didn't make anything. Five out of the last five um of the last ten times, the winner has been outside the top ten in strokes game putting. You know, because typically it's a more of a ball strikers course. You get in position off the tee, you hit, you hit greens. You don't need to putt great. 
here, and that that probably helps Keith Mitchell. Yeah, and he also, you know, he's right. He was right there with uh, the uh, AT and T as well. He mm-hmm. was coming down the stretch. He couldn't make anything, you know, putting. So hopefully, he's got the putter hot. Gets the putter hot this week. All right, Colin Morikawa to win. Um, two hundred dollars. His recent play has been outstanding. Besides Phoenix. I think he's trending for a win soon. He's got three uh, top six finishes in his last four starts. The last time he played this tournament was in 2020. He had a top 10 there. I mean, I think the writing's on the wall. I think the dude is starting to find it. Great ball striker. Hopefully he can putt well enough, but Mike says you don't have to be a great putter, and that's something he typically is not. But uh, his game is pretty sound, great off the tee. So we're going to stick with that and uh, see if Colin can't get the W. If we uh, if we learn anything from full swing, he's a terrible jump shooter also in the parking lot. Just shooting yeah. Straight I think ball. the pod could take him in horse for sure. <laughs> Last one, I won't talk much about this one, is uh, Dylan Wu is going to be the winner of the Puerto Rico Open. Dude's been trending, young man. He kind of flashes and pops up on your TV screen every once in a while because he'll make a little run. Then you'll have kind of like a bad you know back nine or something, but – He's shown enough talent. He's he's good. I, I, you know, when you get to the Puerto Rico Open, it's a lot of first time winners. So I'm just hoping that this is going to be his time. So. All right. Um, you getting judicial with your picks over there? Me? Yeah. You got but, Judge Judy on in the back there. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, everything points to John Rahm. He's been so good. He like I. He is gaining in his last 36 rounds. He is gaining 3.25 strokes on the field, which is absolutely insane. And uh, in nine of his last 10 starts, he is gaining more than 10 shots on the field in his last 10. Like he is just unreal right now, but he's only played in this one time and got T17 and the money, the value is just not there to pick him. You know, it's he's the favorite, the betting favorite, all that. So I'm not picking him. I just want to throw it out there, though. He's insane right now. But I might be, I might be the only person in the world that has been on the Christian Bezadenhut bandwagon more than. Oh, jeez, I'm, I'm taking again? him again, and I'm taking him to win. Hundred dollars. He has oh, played the last three years. He's been top twenty. He's never finished outside the top twenty, and he's at plus twelve thousand. So we're taking, we're taking, the Zayden, the trying Zayden, to get it back. Zayden, do you owe the mob money? Like what? Bazayden you... hoot for a win. My other win is Zalatoris. I'm going with the same thing. Great ball striker. If it's you know windy and shitty out, he's fine there. You don't have to putt that well. He's due to win a big event. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Zalatoris. Uh, and then my top five. I'm putting my most money on a Tom Kim top five. Two hundred bucks. Uh, I did I did a hundred on Zalatoris, by the way. Tom Kim, course is kind of about accuracy. In the last sixty-seven rounds that he's played out there, he is the best in the on the tour in strokes gained approach on approach shots. So we're taking Tom King, Tom Kim plus whatever I don't know to top five. He's at two hundred bucks. And now my best pick. Here we go, Puerto Rico. I got a guy. I've already messaged him, and you'll hear why in a second here about coming on the pod. Jeff will love this one. Uh, Andrew Novak, who was top 30 at Pebble Beach and the Honda, top 15 at the Sony. We're taking him to win he, for 100 bucks. He also shot 63 at Mayakoba last year, resort course. But this is not why I'm picking him. The guy's a winner. On his bio... He is this 2017 Wolford intramural basketball champion. <laughs> yeah. And he describes himself he describes himself as a mix between JJ Reddick, Kyle Corver, and J.R. Smith. Guy's a three-point yeah. shooter, three-point <laughs> specialist, basketball player, and a winner. Who, who is the Novak from uh, Marquette back in the day? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that guy too. But Andrew Novak. Basketball like player extraordinaire, hell of a golfer to win in Puerto Rico. So he doesn't oh even God. mention he plays golf on his on his page at all. It says some other stuff too, but that's in his bio. Mix of those three <laughs> shooters. <laughs> that'll be fun. That'll be a fun little mini follow there, just to kind of yeah. check to see what's going on in the Puerto Rico Open. I'm sure most people aren't going to be tuning in, so we'll have to have a eye on that. Anything else, boys? Before we try to go get some sleep, going to bed. Timmy, no, just need at least eight hours. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I do want to say that we've got uh, coming out later this week an interview with Twin Cities golf founder and owner Kevin Unterreiner. Uh, fabulous story how he's brought life to golf in, in Minnesota. He's got, um, you know, he's he's very forward thinking. He comes up with ideas and executes them. You know, he's very passionate about what he does, and you'll find that out in the interview with all the things that he's got his hands in. I don't know how he does it, but uh, yeah, very impressive. And uh, I, I look forward to actually rehearing that because there was a lot there. There's a lot to in, to take in. So that'll be fun. Yeah, he's done a lot for public golf in Minnesota. Well, if there's nothing else, I guess we'll close with, uh, you know, the difference between a 79 and 80 is everything. Later. Maybe today's the day I brigade thee. What the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold G. Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Look at the shot. It was amazing. Break 80.